0: Well, we are going to continue on with our story where we left off last week. You're going to find as we move along we abruptly stop because the story is an ongoing thing. And last week we abruptly stopped where Moses was uh, put into the little basket in the reeds by the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter found her and uh, found him and uh, that's where the story ended we're going to pick up right from there and we're going to see how God begins to take this little baby boy and begins to train him and develop him into a great man who's going to do great and mighty things and God has got a lot of work to do on him but we're going to see that God is faithful in doing that so let's start reading the story again Exodus chapter 2 if you have your Bibles you can turn there Exodus chapter 2, verse 10. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. All right, remember, Pharaoh's daughter found little baby Moses in the basket there by the Nile River. He picked it up, and when she took the lid off, he was crying. Remember, Moses' sister went running up to her and says, hey, do you want me to find someone that can nurse the little baby? And she said, yeah, please do that. So she runs to her mom. Her mom comes back, and Pharaoh's daughter tells her mom, says, listen, I want you to nurse this little baby boy, take care of him, and I'm going to pay you to do it. And that's exactly where we are right now. Now, the common thought is, of way back then, from what I was studying, is that for some reason, little baby boys were nursed longer than baby girls. And apparently baby boys were nursed all the way up till three years old. So it is highly possible that this little baby got to live with his real mom and dad all the way up to three years old. And the cool thing about that, is, as I just said, is the mom got paid for that. She got paid to take care of her own son. That's a pretty sweet gig right there. And at three years old, once he was weaned from the nursing, he was turned over to Pharaoh's daughter to live with her and become her son. And that, boys and girls, is where this little baby boy got his name. And can you guys tell me what is his name that he was given? Moses. Moses, very good, exactly right. And I looked in to try to see what Moses meant and to see if it was Hebrew or Egyptian because Um, the pharaoh's daughter actually said I'm going to call him Moses because I drew him out of the water well everything I searched about it I basically came up with the the reality that I don't know Uh, some scholars argue that it's Hebrew, some scholars argue that it's Egyptian, but nobody really knows but the name that he was given was Moses and this little boy Moses has to leave his real father and mother and go live with this woman that he didn't even know he has to go move in with this lady who's not his mom. And I can imagine the mom and dad giving up their little baby boy, or their young little boy, and, and, and not really go, knowing what's going to happen to him. You know, what's this going to be like? How's he going to grow up? Is he going to be taken care of? Is he going to be loved? All these things are probably running through the mom and dad's mind. But this little boy was handed over to Pharaoh's daughter. Now, guys, as hard as that must have been, please do not think that he was moving into a rough situation not at all. Moses was moving into some pretty snazzy accommodations. I mean, he was being brought into the royal palace of the Egyptian kingdom. Moses was being placed into one of the most beautiful places in that world at that time. He would be eating the best food ever. What's some of your favorite foods, kids? What's yours? Pizza? I'm sure he was eating pizza. How about you, Jude? What? Pepperoni? Are you sure he's eating pepperoni? Oh, macaroni. Yes, I'm definitely eating macaroni. What? Shrimp. Shrimp. All right. She's got a high taste buds there. It's awesome. Yeah, I'm sure he's eating shrimp. How about you way back there, honey? You like meatloaf? That's awesome. Um, They were probably eating meatloaf. Yep. How about you? Rice? Wow. Okay, good. Definitely they were probably eating rice. Way in the back. Last one. Those last two boys. What? steak yeah you're you're a man after my own heart how about you ribs oh shrimp another shrimp person all right exactly well whatever it was i'll bet he was eating good i bet she was eating t-bones and yeah shrimp and lobster and shish kebabs and i don't know twinkies and <laughs> little debbie snacks and all those things i don't know what egyptians ate but let me tell you it's delicious and, and endless amounts of food not only that he would have slaves and servants there to take care of him. They'd make his food for him. They'd wash his clothes for him. They'd clean his bedroom for him. They would make his bed. They would do all the chores that a normal kid would have to do. Moses didn't have to mow the lawn. Any of you kids have to mow the lawn? Raise your hand. Gus, you have to mow the lawn? All right. <laughs> Any other kids have to mow the lawn? All right. Well, Moses didn't have to mow the lawn. Moses didn't, um, Moses didn't have to take out the trash. Any of you kids have to take out the trash? You guys do? All right, Yep, yeah. All right, Moses did not have to clean the bathroom. Did any of you kids clean the bathroom? You guys do? Well done. Should send some of my boys over to your house and teach them how to do it. But no, the, the servants did everything for them, for him, for Moses. I mean, this Moses, he was living the high life. And what people never think of is that Moses would have been receiving the best education that the world had to offer at that time. Moses would have been highly educated. I mean national honor society level stuff. He would have been taught how to debate. He'd have been taught how to give public speeches. He would have been taught in the area of diplomacy, how to interact with other countries. He'd have been taught about astronomy, all the stars in the sky, and how to navigate at night according to the stars. He'd have been taught about mathematics and spelling and all that. The king's children would have received the best of the best. They were highly educated. Not only that, they would have received the highest training possible in fighting hand-to-hand combat. The king's children would have been taught how to fight. So I'm sure, you know, Moses would have learned nunchucks and all that sort of stuff. He'd learned karate and like, you know, all that sort of stuff. He'd have learned how to sword fight and fight off people with a sword, how to throw a spear. He'd have learned all the, the battle moves of how to lead a bunch of chariots in the battle. How to orchestrate armies and, and all the sorts of battle strategies, all kinds of stuff he'd have been trained in. In fact, there's a verse in Acts that says this. Listen to this Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. Kids, tell me, how much of the wisdom was he educated in? All of it. How much does that leave out? Nothing. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And listen to this. And he was powerful in speech and in action. Moses was one bad dude. He was a stud. And kids, I want to just stop here for a second. I want to have you think about something. Let's say that you're looking for a guy who's going to lead a nation. And you need him to be an incredible leader. I mean, an excellent, excellent leader. Okay, can you imagine that? Now let me ask you some questions. Do you think that leader would need to be smart? Yeah. Yes, of course. You do not want a dumb leader. You don't want a leader being like, okay, what do we do here, sir? Oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just wing it. No, you want a smart leader. Not only that, let me ask you this do you think you would want a leader who knew how to fight? Yeah, absolutely. You want someone who had been a soldier, someone who was battle experienced, somebody who could stand up to a bully, not some little wimpy leader where somebody comes up to them and they're like, owie, 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 no, no, no. You know, you don't want that as a leader. You want a guy who, who, who can fight. Not only that, let me ask you this Do you think you'd want a leader who knew battle strategies and how to lead armies? Absolutely. Well, guess what? Moses was learning all of this growing up in Pharaoh's courts, being part of the royal family. Moses was was taking all this in and learning from the best of the best. Now tell me, kids, think this through. Who do you think is behind all this? Who do you think is orchestrating all this? Yes, God is. God is working behind the scenes, preparing this young man to become the best leader that some would argue the world has ever seen. God was doing this. And here's what I want you to see. If God wants you to do something, he's going to prepare you to do it. Okay, if God wants you to do something, if he calls you to do something, he's going to prepare you to do it. God has called Hannah Mark to go to Australia. He's preparing Hannah for that. If God calls you to do something, he's going to prepare you to do it. He doesn't just call you to something and, and leave you high and dry and say, well, good luck, man. I know you're not ready for this, but good luck. No, he always prepares you for it, and often he does it without you even knowing it. That's the most amazing thing. I was trying to ponder in my own life how God has done that for me, and this might be kind of a weird analogy, but... Growing up in my family, my, I was the youngest, I was a little baby of the family, and my, my brother was five years older, and my dad was a missionary pilot, worked on airplanes, he was a mechanic, all that sort of stuff, and so my brother naturally went with my dad and he worked on the airplane, he worked on the cars, he worked on everything, and my brother could, he knew all the stuff when it came to mechanics, like, yeah, that's a bifold manifold exhaust system, and that's a fuel-injected pressurizer, zipper, <laughs> and uh, all this sort of stuff. And uh, I could never work with my dad because I didn't have a clue what was going on. So guess who I worked with? I was, a mama. I was a mommy's boy. And I was in the kitchen. And I'm there chopping onions and dicing, making salads and soups and roasts and, you know, little pastries and stuff like that. And my mom was showing me how to cook. Well, little did I know that I would find myself in a situation where my wife has been really sick over the last few years, and I've had to cook. Well, guess what? God prepared me for that. I actually enjoy cooking. I like doing it. Now, it's a little embarrassing sometimes to be emailing other ladies in the church saying, hey, how did you make that little uh, casserole last time? Uh, I'd like to know how you did that little gravy pate sauce on that. And, And when we're going somewhere, I'm always sending the emails like, hey, I'll bring the cream puffs and the little pastry stuff. And it's just weird. It's odd. But God has prepared me for that. And I look back and I'm like, thank you, God. That's awesome. He was working when I didn't even know it. Well, God's doing that in Moses' life. He's working behind the scenes, doing, preparing Moses for the day where he's going to need him to be a leader of a nation. And like our tagline says, Moses, Moses is just an ordinary man, but God is using him to do extraordinary things. And it's awesome. God was preparing this man to become a great leader living in the situation that he was in. Moses could have never orchestrated that, but God did. God does the things in our life we cannot do. He works in us and for us, doing what we could never do on our own. Everybody know what that is? Grace. Who said that? All right, I'm going to give you a piece of candy, Linda. That was amazing. Uh, we're all out. I'm sorry. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. There's a toy car here, Linda. That's Grace. It's exactly what it is. Grace is God working in and through you, doing what you could never do on your own. And that's what God is doing in Moses' life. But you know, guys, when you think about that, have you ever noticed in our lives that even though God does this work in us, and even though God is the one preparing us for what he's going to have us do, and God is working these miraculous things that we could never do, have you ever noticed how sometimes we like to think that it's all our doing? Like we like to take credit for it. Where we, we sometimes sit here and say, man, I am really amazing. I, I have really done an amazing thing here. And we like to take credit for what God has done. It's pretty amazing how we do that all the time, isn't it? It's a little bit like this. Let's see here. Who do we got here? Jake, send your little boy up here. <laughs> Come on up here, buddy. I want you to stand right here, Levi. Tell everybody what's your name. Um, my name's Levi. All right, Levi, you're gonna be amazing here. <clears throat> and Levi, we got a job for you to do here. I'm gonna ha- I'm asking you, I want you to lift that weight up with one hand and lift it up above your head like that, okay? All right, that's what I'm gonna have you do. Now, Levi, don't, don't worry, I'm gonna help you, okay? I'm gonna help you do this. So go ahead and grab, <laughs> grab the handle, grab the handle right there. Okay, are right, you ready? Now guys, when he gets it up, I want you guys to cheer him on, okay? You cheer him on, you ready? And lift! <laughs> yeah, good job, Levi. Get back down. We're going to do it two more times. Are you ready? Lift! Yeah! Whoop, you hang on to that. All right. One more time. Get ready. All right, go! Lift it up. Yeah! Back down, now back down. Good job. Stay up here, Levi. Good job. All right. Let me catch my breath there. Good job. Give me five. All right. Pretty amazing job. Let's say that Levi. Did that for 60 times. What? And I could live through that. <laughs> Let's say that Levi just kept doing it and we're cheering him on. You know what the tendency for what we humans will do? We start to think that, man, I really am amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Levi, Levi, Levi could be at this point point. he could push me aside and say, Luke, I got this. Now, Levi, I want you to try to pick that up. <laughs> well, can't do it? No. Okay. Now let's say that Levi kind of lifted it up and it kind of fell over here and he fell into you guys and the weight flew out into you guys and it would cause all this devastation. Why? Because he was doing it on his own. Give it up for Levi. Hey, buddy. Here. I don't know whose this is, but you can play with it. Sorry, whoever's car that is. It's, uh... <laughs> now guys, as, go- as goofy as a nausea that was, it's exactly what we do with God. God does these amazing things for us and through us and in us. But we like to take credit for what God has done. And and we kind of push them aside and we're just like, you know, I got this. This is all about me. All this ability that I have is because of me. It's because of my doing. I did it. It's all about me. And we start to take our eyes off of God and we start to put our eyes on ourselves. And that's exactly what we're going to see Moses do here in a second. Moses is going to start to take his eyes off of God and what God is doing around him. And he's going to start to look more at his own abilities and think that he can be the hero that these people are looking for. Let's see what he does. One day, verse 11, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, and glancing this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. All right, it starts off by saying when Moses had grown up. Kids, what do you think, how old do you think Moses was when this is about to happen? 18? Anybody else? What do you think, kids? Anybody? No? 35? Okay, yeah. All right, well, you know, when we think of someone growing up, we think 18 years old, they're adults, or they're 20s, or 30s, or whatever, well, as we're going to see in a bit, Moses is about 40 years old when this happens. So yeah, he's pretty grown up. Okay, it's a pretty broad statement there. So picture a 40-year-old doing this. Anybody in here 40 years old? Exactly 40? A lot of kids raising their hand. Mm-hmm. Who are you pointing at? Gus, are you 40? 41. 41. Stand up so everybody can get a picture of what a 40-year-old looks like there. Now, he's a rip studly 40-year-old, probably just like Moses would have looked like. You can sit back down. You know, when I turned 40, it happened to fall on a Sunday. And do you guys remember Anybody here for that? Yeah. And uh, I didn't know this, but behind the scenes, um, you guys were all given one of these bad boys, hideous-looking things. And you were told that when I was done praying, you were supposed to hold it in front of your head. Well, I'm praying to the Lord, really pouring out my heart, and you guys weren't focused at all. And when I said amen, all of you guys had this like this. It was the most terrifying experience in my life. <laughs> I realize what you guys have to look at every, every Sunday. So anyways, Moses is 40 years old right here, and he goes out to where his own people were. And tell me, boys and girls, what were his people? Were they the Hebrews or the Egyptians? The Hebrews, exactly. Okay. And he went out to watch them working in their hard labor. Now, who knows? Maybe they were building a pyramid at the time. Maybe they were building a sphinx. But when it says that he went out, he probably would have had to go a long way out to watch and see the labor that they were doing. Okay? Hard, intense, physical labor. And I I really don't know, but Moses was probably starting To think of himself as somewhat special he he had experience you know winning some battles and being a general and being a big stud in the army and he's probably starting to think of himself as somewhat special I'm, I'm kind of a big deal here and I could be basically the guy who rescues my people for you know from their slavery and their bondage I mean I'm fully trained I'm smart I'm part of Pharaoh's court I've I've got all the necessary pieces I'm basically a stud Okay, you know, I mean, I could really see myself doing this, and pretty easily, because I'm, I'm knowledgeable and I'm as trained as I am. I'm pretty sure that if I do something spectacular, the Hebrew people are going to look at me and just go, wow, that's Moses, he's our hero. And it's just going to be like, ooh, ah. It's going to be awesome. Moses is probably thinking in that line. And so all of a sudden, he's out there, and he's looking around, and and suddenly a wonderful opportunity arises. He's looking around and he sees this Egyptian beating this Hebrew man. Just beating him. Beating him to a pulp. And Moses thinks to himself, here's my chance to be the hero. And Moses, you know, he's probably looking at this. He's probably ticked. This is one of his people. You know, so he kicks into action and all of his little training. He's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And he kills the Egyptian. He probably looks at the Hebrew guy and goes, You're welcome. I'm Moses, by the way. And he drags the Egyptian out and he buries him in the sand. And Moses probably here is thinking pretty good about himself. He's probably thinking, see, that's what I'm talking about. I can do this kind of stuff. I'm that trained. I'm that amazing. And these Hebrews are really going to think, I am one amazing guy. Moses is coming to the rescue. This is going to be awesome. Well, I want to read you a passage in Acts And let's see how awesome he is. Acts 7, verse 23: when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his fellow Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. But what? They did not. Moses thought that all the people would be like, Yay, Moses! Let's throw a party for Moses, our hero. But notice those words, but they did not. Not even close. In fact, the very next day, Moses goes out to his people. He's probably feeling pretty good about himself. And he sees something happening that just kind of freaks him out. He sees two Hebrews fighting. Look, it says the next day, he went out and he saw two Hebrew men fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, he says, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? I mean, he goes out, and he's like, okay, I can understand if an Egyptian is beating up on a Hebrew, but why are two Hebrew men fighting each other? So he goes to the guy who's in the wrong, he goes, why are you doing this? You're fellow Hebrews, you need to stop that right now. And notice what the Hebrew guy says, he goes, who made you ruler and judge over us? You thinking of killing me you killed the Egyptian? Who do you think you are, Moses. You kill one Egyptian slave master, and you think you can come busting right in here and think you're big stuff? You think you're our ruler now? You're our judge? You're gonna kill me like you did the Egyptians yesterday? And guys, when that Hebrew guy said that to Moses, Moses froze in his tracks and he suddenly realized uh oh, I'm in trouble. He had tried to do things his way. He tried to take things into his own hands. He had tried to play the hero without God. And now he found himself in a load of trouble. And he had made a real mess of things. And apparently, he thought nobody saw him yesterday. But apparently they did. And word had gotten out. And his life was in danger. Because when Pharaoh hears about this, let me tell you. It's going to be a mess. His, His life is in danger. And it's not... If Pharaoh hears about this, it's when Pharaoh hears about this. Check out what happens. Sure enough, when Pharaoh heard of this, he what? He tried to kill Moses. Moses. It doesn't say he ordered that Moses, you know, he tried to get Moses. He tried to kill Moses. So we don't know the backstory here. Moses might have walked into the court and there was Pharaoh, you know, trying to jump on to kill him. We don't know. But Moses ran for his life. You know, this kind of reminds me of a statement someone once told me. Look at that verse 15 first. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian. And this kind of reminds me of a statement that somebody once told me. They said, Luke, you know, if, you, if you're going to choose to be the conductor of the train, then you need to be responsible for the train wreck. In other words, he was telling me that if you decide to leave God out of the picture and you choose to do things your way, by yourself, then you need to know that you are responsible for the mess you've made, not God. You can't blame God, that's on you. And that's where Moses finds himself. He took his eyes off of God and he starts focusing on himself. And he starts thinking, I can lift this weight myself. And so God very gently says, okay, Moses, if you want to do things your way, go ahead. I'll let you. But just know that without me, you won't get very far. I'm the one who works the miracles. I'm the one who does the things that you can't do. I'm the one who lifts the weight. Yeah, your hand might be on the handle, but I do the lifting. And so if you leave me out of it, you're going to have nothing but a mess on your hands. But please go ahead, be my guest. You can try to take things and do it your way. And so that's what Moses does. He does it his way and the train wreck happens and suddenly his life is an utter mess. Pharaoh wants him dead. And let me tell you guys, if Pharaoh wants him dead, there isn't any place in Egypt or close to Egypt to where Pharaoh can't get his hands on him. Pharaoh is going to use every resource he has to get to Moses and kill him. And so Moses runs for his life. And I want you to see how far Moses runs. Moses is terrified. He leaves the country of Egypt. He goes all the way across the Sinai Desert, that huge piece of land, by himself. And he runs to a land called Midian. That's how far away he tries to get from Moses because he's terrified. He leaves the country that he had lived in for 40 years. The only country he knows not having a clue of what he's going to do or where he's going to live or what's going to happen. His life is in shambles. Guys, I want you to see how far Moses has fallen in this situation. He's sitting in the midst of his train wreck not knowing what to do. He's homeless. He's friendless. He's jobless. He's countryless. He has nothing. I mean, this train wreck is a bad one. And it's looking pretty hopeless. And that's where I want you to see moses is that and that's where we're going to leave him today i want you to realize this is probably one of the lowest points of moses's life i mean he has nothing nothing and i want to stop there for a second and i just want to address those of us in this room you know i wonder if there's any of us in this room who we've done exactly what moses did We've, tried to do, we, we've taken our eyes off of God and we've tried to take things into our own hands. We've, we've become the conductor of the train in our life. We're the ones who, you know, we push God aside and we're gonna lift the weight and we've tried to do things our way. And now we find ourselves in an utter mess of our life. An utter mess. Everywhere we look, we've caused devastation. And we sit here and we just go, what have I done? And if there's anyone in this room that feels like that today, I just want to encourage you and let you know you're not alone. Man, Moses knows exactly how you feel. Moses has been there. But I just want to say this and encourage you with this this morning if I could. If you're willing to let God back in to being the driver of your life, let him be the conductor of your train once again. I promise you he can take that utter mess And he can make something beautiful out of it. He can take that utter darkness. And he can make something utterly remarkable out of it. If you let him. That's what our God does. And that's what we're going to see God do in Moses' life. But we're going to pick that up next week. Amen. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these kids. I thank you for these boys and girls. I thank you for everything that you've done on our behalf. God, you continue to work in our lives and do things that that we could never do on our own. And God, that's your grace working in our lives. God, forgive us for being people who have tried to do things, to just push you aside and do things on our own and, and become the conductor of our train. God, we God, we've made a mess out of things. So God, we sit here humbly before you and ask that you might work a miracle in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Guys, I love you so very, very much. Have an awesome week. If anybody would like to be prayed for, Linda would love to do that for you right now. And we'll see you next Sunday. Bye-bye.